Hello listeners, welcome to 2021 and our very first interview episode of the year. You're listening to Coding Over Cocktails by Toro Cloud. My name is Kevin Montalbo. In this episode, we'll be talking about connectors and how connectors are used as a way to facilitate connections with integration platforms. We will look at the disadvantages in using connectors to maintain integrations, how you can leverage the use of APIs for your organization, how integrating with and consuming APIs is made easier through API schemas, and how you can learn more about the Toro Cloud Platform, a digital transformation platform as a service. After listening to this podcast, make sure to visit our website at www.torocloud.com for a transcript of this episode and blog posts related to this topic. Joining us today for Cocktails is Toro Cloud CEO and founder, David Brown. Hi, David. Good to have you on. Hi, Kevin. All right. And joining us as well is Toro Cloud's product architect, Vivienne Jove, all the way from France. Hi, Vivienne. Hi, Kevin. All right. Let's begin this podcast. Uh, Vivienne, can you tell us how connectors work in the context of enterprise application integration platforms? What are these so-called connectors? Yeah, so a connector is a piece of code, a piece of software uh, that wraps the necessary logic uh, to communicate, to make requests to an external API. So we often call them uh, SDK or client library. And basically, they contain methods um, that can allow you to make um, requests to the operations of an API. All right. What can you say are the disadvantages of connectors when we're trying to integrate these with APIs. Yeah, so one of the main disadvantage of um, connectors is that they get out of date uh, really often. Uh, the reason is that um, APIs uh, publishers make changes to their APIs and they, they don't necessarily uh, warn you about uh, the breaking changes or what uh, exactly are the changes that they're making. And you will only discover that um, your connectors doesn't work when uh, you get the the errors. Uh, so when you rely on an um, integration platform uh, for uh, your, your connectors, you actually rely first that they would have the connector for your API, um, that they are monitoring the APIs for changes and things like that, and that they will actually uh, update quickly the, the connector so that it works with the latest version of the API. And the reason why it's 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 uh, not good is that often the the connectors are maintained by developers by hand, so it's a um, time-consuming process to create, update, and of course it's prone to error. Um, so the you can imagine that for an integration platform to maintain hundreds of API, it's it's really not scalable to do it that way. Do you have that experience, David? Uh... Do you observe, are you able to observe that kind of experience from the industry? Yeah, look, I mean, that's why we um, developed Martini as a connectorless uh, integration platform, because to be honest, we, we started out the same as pretty much every other integration platform out there in that uh, we built connectors and you, and you largely build these connectors by hand, like mm-hmm. Vivian was saying. So yeah. pretty much every integration platform in the market today still uses connectors. Mm-hmm. The problem with them, as Vivian explained, is uh, it's a very laborious process. And we've, we found that ourselves. You know, we got up to a couple of hundred connectors and just keeping pace with the number of APIs available and all the changes to those APIs just meant that it wasn't scalable for us. We, we had to find a better way of doing it. 
Mm. And so a, a connectorless approach means that you bypass this uh, software which sits in between the integration platform and the API, and the integration platform connects directly to the API instead. Mm -hmm. So now that we've established that we needed to kill the connector because it's not scalable, what should take their place, David? Well, it was, it was at the time we were building these connectors, uh, API schemas were evolving and uh, API schemas, there was a number of competing formats uh, for those schemas as well. Uh, but those schema wars were largely resolved as we were trying to find a better solution. And uh, Swagger and OpenAPI, its successor, became the winner of those wars. And uh, everyone has sort of consolidated for RESTful APIs on the uh, OpenAPI specification. So that meant that uh, if an if a API provider or publisher provided an open API schema, an open, open API schema is a machine readable format. It's human readable as well, but a machine can read the schema uh, and uh, interpret it, run through all the operations, the security required by the API and the like, and machine generate the services that are required to interface with that API. So that the integration platform is now speaking the same language as the connector or the services to uh, interface to that API. So it bypasses the, bypasses the concept of the connector completely. The issue, of course, is not, not all API providers provide a uh, schema. <laughs> and so, and so the, you know, uh, whilst uh, we encourage API publishers to make their APIs discoverable by providing an API schema in any format, whether it be open API, and in some cases it's beneficial to provide it in multiple formats, including Postman, uh, many don't. And yeah, many will in the very least provide some basic web-based documentation. And so what we did is we realized quickly that if we're gonna rely on schemas in a, uh, to provide a connectorless experience to uh, consume an API, then we also needed a way so that um, end users could build an open API schema if one didn't already exist. And so we built a tool which was able to basically scrape um, web-based documentation and it builds those open API, open API schemas for you. Uh, it's literally just a case of uh, pointing and clicking at the documentation and uh, it, it, uh, API documentation tends to be templated with uh, consistent CSS uh, styles and classes. And so the, uh, the crawler leverages that concept and uh, will crawl the documentation and build out of that a, uh, a, a compliant open API schema. And so as a result, we were able to do that ourselves when we launched this concept. We were able to go through from 200 odd connectors which were a uh, nightmare to maintain to 2,000 um, open API schemas in our marketplace overnight. And even if in that marketplace there isn't an open API schema for you to consume, uh, you can always create one yourself. Uh, of course, with Martini, you can create, you can uh, consume any uh, ad hoc operation without a schema as well. The advantage of a schema is that every single operation from that publisher is, is available to you automatically. So if you're looking at Salesforce, for example, you might want to, to have a, a get contact operation, an update contact operation, 
you know, various operations for different sort of services you want to perform, it, an API schema will generate the hundreds of operations that are available in that API, machine generate them for you automatically. If you just need the get contact operation, you can do that ad hoc, but just uh, running through a wizard uh, to, to build a service to consume that one operation. You don't need the API schema. API schemas just make it extremely convenient uh, to consume an API uh, and all of the operations with it. Now, what the other advantage is here is when the API changes, because once the schema is defined, uh, and particularly once that, if you've, if you've mapped it to the documentation, you can just rerun that mapping and build the schema again. Or if the publisher provides one, they provide you with a new version of the schema and you can machine generate those services within seconds and you're now ready to consume the new, new API as well. So it's a totally different landscape. Yeah, so uh, you've already like uh, given us like an overview of how uh, we, we can be able to consume an API using an API schema. But Vivian, can you walk us through the process technically of how you can do this with Martini? How can we consume APIs using these API schemas? Yeah, so <clears throat> there is two main ways to consume an API uh, with Martini. The first is uh, to use our wizard. So we have a wizard to consume an API. It's uh, very simple. Uh, you start the wizard, it's going to be asking you for um, basically the, the specification. Uh, so it's going to be uh, either a file or URL uh, in any format. So we support, uh, like David said, we support many API uh, specification format like Swagger Open API. So you uh, fill up that um, the, the wizard page, uh, click finish, and then it's going to be generating uh, all the services that are ma mapping to the operations of the API, and then you're done. You can already uh, start using the, the API. Then if you're uh, looking for um, an API, but you don't yet have the, the file or the URL for it, uh, you can look in the Toro marketplace. So from Martini, you can browse the, the marketplace for the, the API. Uh, just select it, install it, and then it's going to do the same process, generate the services for you, and then you can you can start using it already. And the, the third solution, like David mentioned, is to use the Docs to Open API tool that we that we developed. So it's a it's a Chrome extension that you can use. Um, you basically open um, documentation um, uh, website. You start uh, looking at uh, what the documentation is made. Uh, where are the operation defined, the response, the request. Uh, you map it using the tool. It's just a simple uh, click uh, on the element and then it's it's gonna map it for you. Then you, you run it. It's gonna generate the, the API uh, schema based on that. And then you can either download it, um, use it in the wizard or even publish it to the marketplace to, to contribute to it. And it's worth, it's worth noting that that Chrome extension, which we've made freely available in the, the, the Chrome store, uh, yeah. is available to anyone. You don't need to use it with Martini. So if you're an API publisher and you haven't uh, provided a schema to your consumers of your API, download the Chrome extension and, and just map your own documentation and build a schema from it. There's a whole bunch of stuff you can do that once you've got the open API schema, you can uh, build uh, machine generated services and the like and, and then start doing API first design using that API schema and the like using tool sets which support us including Martini uh, but in the very least you can use the tool to create a schema and provide it to your end users uh, so that your API becomes easier to consume mm. all right so Martini is just one part of the puzzle in the 
entire Toro Cloud suite, entire Toro Cloud platform. And uh, the last time we spoke, um, we didn't have this Toro Cloud platform yet. But now in 2021, we're, 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 we're starting the year strong with the Toro Cloud platform. So I want to talk about the Toro Cloud platform, uh, David. What is the Toro Cloud platform? Well, it's an entire ecosystem to facilitate digital transformation. So, yeah, digital transformation, um, whilst a cultural change, also typically requires technology and there are certain projects which revolve around digital transformation and in particular data and the, and the management of data, monetizing data and the flow of data. And so you typically use certain technology solutions to facilitate all this and, and to become this new agile organization which can respond quickly to the market and uh, uh, develop and consume digital services. And so when you're wanting to do that, when you want to become an agile organization, you have to change your IT processes and you have to change the way you build applications, the way you consume applications, and importantly, Create, creating an ecosystem out of your applications so that your end users, be it your employees, your business partners, or your customers, get a cohesive, seamless experience between them as well. And so when you're embarking on those type of projects, you're typically looking at the very least an integration platform. And so that's where we started. Martini is an integration platform as a service. And it does stuff like application integration, getting all of your applications talking to each other, your CRM system talking with your uh, accounting or ERP system, talking with your order management system and inventory systems, even your line of business applications or custom applications you've written in-house or, and or databases. Uh, so the application uh, integration part of the puzzle we've solved now for a few years with Martini. It also uh, does things like uh, APIs, um, management, cr cr creation of APIs and a deployment of APIs. And so we facilitated a, an API first approach to um, application integration and development. And this is a new way of a services-orientated architecture, thinking about the way people are going to consume your services before you start building. And so by designing the interface first, by designing your API, you're enabling those stakeholders that are going to be consuming that service to have a say in the way it's designed and what they want to see to be consumed out of it. They also, as a result of that process, have some sort of ownership because they were involved in the process and are probably much more likely to, to use it. And so we have a process by which you can do API first design, you can create these APIs and you can publish them, you can secure them, and then you can start creating digital products and services out of them. You can monetize them, so for example. So we facilitate monetization of APIs and that means monetization of data. That means unleashing data, which is locked up in data silos, be it, um, databases or legacy systems or whatever your proprietary processes are. APIs enable you to create digital products out of those uh, uh, processes or data that you may have. Uh, and that's evolving your business into a new digital business. You're now digitally dealing with customers and employees and other stakeholders digitally. You're creating a cohesive experience for them by having this seamless flow of data between your systems. But then the next thing, which the final piece in the puzzle, which we solved more recently, was uh, full-blown uh, application development. So what we started with with Martini enabled you to build 
uh, low-code uh, microservices and, and with a particular emphasis on integration. So these were uh, low-code in the respect that they used like Lego block type mentality where you drag and drop Lego blocks to build out a service. And often in case you can build a service with zero code uh, uh, at all, but in we enable you to write code if and when you need it enabling full enterprise class functionality for that service. But you basically end up with a service with far fewer lines of uh, code than you otherwise would. So maybe a service might consist of two or three lines or six or seven lines instead of several hundred lines of code. So they become much more manageable. They become microservices and they have API interfaces by default. They have RESTful interfaces by default, like a, 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 um, a microservice would have a known interface. And so we already had this backend, which enabled you to build these backend services with these RESTful APIs. And what we were missing was the front end to be able to complete the application development lifecycle of building the end user experience. And so more recently, we deployed that an application called Bellini, which facilitates low code application development of the, particularly the, the user front end. It has a unique take on user application development. So it is also a drag and drop user uh, IDE to, to develop an environment. And as part of that, you drag and drop components onto a canvas and you bind those components to an API. So those components uh, may be, for example, a, a form and you wanna populate that form with uh, uh, contact details from your Salesforce database and the ability to edit that, uh, that contact record and then post it back to the Salesforce database, for example. So you're able to drag a form onto your canvas and then bind that component, that form component to the get contact operation of the Salesforce API. And then when you click the button of that form, it's binding that button operation to the uh, update contact record operation of the Salesforce API. And so this mentality of everything being API-centric. We are a low-code, API-centric digital transformation platform, which enables you to build applications, integrate applications, create APIs, uh, transform data, manage data, integrate data, and automate workflows and build uh, you know, either synchronous or asynchronous workflows, which may require human intervention or just you know, occur as they're invoked. And so all of this tool set completes uh, a complete product tool set, which encompasses a lot of projects associated with digital transformation. And so we call Toro Cloud a, a digital transformation platform. All right, that's a wrap for this episode of Coding Over Cocktails. Thank you very much, Vivienne, for joining us. Uh, thank you for having me. All right, and thank you as well, David. Uh, we'll join up again soon in the next episode of Coding Over Cocktails. Always a pleasure, Kevin. All right. To our listeners, what did you think of this podcast episode? Any thoughts on going connectorless with APIs? Let us know in the comment section from the podcast platform you're listening to. Also, please visit our website at www.torocloud.com for a transcript of this episode, as well as our blogs and our products. We're also on social media, Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, Twitter, and Instagram. Talk to us there because we listen. Just look for Toro Cloud. Thank you very much for listening to us today. This has been Vivian Jove, David Brown, and of course, Kevin Montalbo at your service for coding over cocktails. Cheers.